0: Hello and welcome to this remastered version of episode 1 that I have released to Patreons to celebrate the first birthday of How Haunted on the 2nd of September. I want to take a moment to thank you all so much for supporting me with the podcast. When I started this, I didn't know if anybody would listen, but the support I've received in this first year has absolutely blown me away. Thank you so, so much for being a member of the Patreon. Episode 1 of the podcast looked at the Covenanters prison in Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh, and it culminated in me investigating the Covenanters prison, a place that nobody is allowed to investigate or even access due to the council being forced to lock it off to the public, following a series of attacks of increasing ferocity and regularity. In this special updated version of the episode, I've added a little over 15 minutes of actual audio from that night, so you'll be able to hear me inside the Black Mausoleum challenging bloody George Mackenzie to do his worst. Enjoy. How did a homeless man, desperately seeking shelter from the harsh Scottish weather, manage to unleash something so evil and so dangerous into a graveyard that the city of Edinburgh council padlocked off public access to a section of it? They'd been left with little choice following hundreds of actual physical attacks on visitors. And what would happen when, in a world's first, I conduct a paranormal investigation at this terrifying location after dark, and dare the malevolent being that lurks within to do his worst? Tonight, join me as we walk into the darkness of Greyfriars Kirkyard, the most haunted cemetery in the world. Welcome to the inaugural episode of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location. And of course, the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week we head to Edinburgh, Scotland and ask the question just how haunted is Greyfriars Kirkyard? Listener Listen, discretion is advised, is as each episode, each episode of How Haunted, Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific, tales, horrific happenings, bloody, bloody murder, and ghosts. So, so many ghosts. Listen so many on if you dare. Greyfriars Kirkyard is a truly beautiful cemetery which surrounds Greyfriars Kirk, located on the southern edge of Edinburgh's Old Town. The name comes from the Franciscan friary which occupied the site previously as they wore grey habits and kirk is a Scottish word for church. It really is a must-see location for anyone visiting the Scottish capital. The friary was dissolved in 1560 and the churchyard was founded just two years later to replace the overflowing graveyard at nearby St Giles Cathedral. Work began on Greyfriars kirk in 1602 the new church opened on Christmas day 1620. It's possibly best known for the dog who has a statue outside the entrance to the kirk which is the most photographed statue in all of Scotland as well as a pub named for him. Greyfriars Bobby is a heartbreaking tale of a loyal sky terrier who when his owner passed away and was buried in Greyfriars Kirkyard in 1858 spent the next 14 years lying on his master's grave. Bobby passed away in 1872, and Edinburgh's favourite wee dog has his very own gravestone in the entrance of the Kirkyard. However, it's merely a folly for the tourists and visitors who leave sticks and dog toys for him. His Catholic law states animals cannot be buried on consecrated ground. It's believed his resting place is actually beneath a tree just outside of the Kirkyard grounds. Greyfriars Bobby is such a well-loved tale that Disney even turned it into a movie back in 1961. Another character the Kirkyard is closely associated with has made an appearance in not one but eight incredibly popular movies. J.K. Rowling wrote the first Harry Potter book Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone while sitting at the back of the Elephant House cafe which overlooks Greyfriars. She even took inspiration for characters' names whilst walking around the Kirkyard, as Potter, Moody, McGonagall and Thomas Riddle are all to be found on headstones and mausoleums within the graveyard. As you can probably imagine, given the subject matter of this podcast, it's not all cute little doggies and a specky wizard and his magical friends. Some truly abhorrent stuff has happened here. In the early 19th century, Edinburgh was entering a period of unparalleled scientific and intellectual advancement especially in the field of medical science and anatomical studies. However, there was one thing hindering their progress and that was the lack of human corpses available to them. The only cadavers they were legally allowed to use to further their research were executed prisoners. This was made even more difficult in 1823 when the Judgment of Death Act was passed, and saw a drastic decrease in the number of crimes that were punishable by death. With demand for corpses higher than ever, it wasn't long before Enterprise and Resurrection Men looked to help fill this gap by finding fresh bodies, which they could then sell for a premium to the University of Edinburgh's medical school. These Resurrection Men were seeking out the graves of those freshly deceased, and under the cover of darkness, stealing the body from the grave. This is why they were much more commonly called grave robbers or body snatchers. Greyfriars Kirkyard was the biggest cemetery in the city, so as you can probably imagine was the most popular haunt for these ghoulish thieves. There was an awful lot of easy money to be made grave robbing, so there were a lot of them operating in Edinburgh. The two most famous by far are Burke and Hare. However they weren't really grave robbers as they didn't wait for the body to be buried they didn't even wait for their victims to die. They murdered people and then sold the bodies of their unfortunate victims. Greyfriars Kirk had a viewing position for night watchmen to keep an eye out for grave robbers as it was a nightly occurrence. In fact, it was common for fights to break out between grave robbers in the Kirkyard, arguing over who had first dibs on those freshly laid to rest. Those who had the money. Could invest in something called a mortsafe which would offer protection against grave robbing. There were several different types ranging from iron cages to heavy stone, table, tombstones, or concrete boxes. These wouldn't necessarily stop the most determined of grave robbers though, who would dig down a few feet away, then tunnel over and open the end of the coffin, sliding the body out, then filling in the hole so nobody would ever know that their loved one wasn't actually where they'd been laid to rest. Greyfriars Kirkyard has two intact examples of a mortsafe, safe which you can see yourself on the Instagram at howhauntedpod. Grave robbing came to an end with the Anatomy Act of 1832 which is an act of parliament of the United Kingdom that gave free license to doctors, teachers of anatomy and bona fide medical students to dissect donated bodies. It was introduced in response to public revulsion at the illegal trade in corpses. So now any unclaimed corpse could be used, as well as those donated by the deceased's family. There are 490 headstones in Greyfriars Kirkyard. Although, to be fair, we don't know how many of those dated between 1823 and 1832 were actually empty. However, there aren't 490 bodies buried beneath the ground here. The council's official figure is 100,000 but historians place the figure much closer to 500,000. Greyfriars Kirkyard is one of the largest burial grounds on planet Earth. The additional bodies are believed to have came from several different locations, including the overflow of bodies from St Giles back after the Kirkyard was consecrated in 1562 and they were being brought over by the Wagon full The Great Plague of 1645, which took the life of half of Edinburgh's population, resulted in huge plague pits right here in the Kirkyard. And the remains of the Covenanters, who lost their lives here in an area of the churchyard known as the Covenanters' Prison. The Covenanters were a powerful political force in Scotland in the 17th century. On the 28th of February 1638, 60,000 signed the National Covenant in Greyfriars Kirk to confirm their opposition to the Stuart Kings in the affairs of the Church of Scotland. This document formed the basis of a treaty whereby the Scottish Government would support the Parliamentarians in the English Civil War. This was the catalyst for a volatile period in Scottish history known as the 50 Years Struggle. In 1661 the National Covenant was repudiated by Charles II. The following year the Covenant was torn up and Charles' own bishops and curates were appointed to govern the churches. 400 non-conforming ministers were ejected from their parishes. This led to a series of battles against government troops and at the Battle of Bothwell Bridge on the 22nd of June 1679 1200 Covenanters were taken prisoner and brought to Edinburgh. Some were executed on their heads displayed around the walls of Greyfriars Kirkyard. The majority of the remaining prisoners were held by the Lord Advocate George Mackenzie on a strip of land within the Kirkyard now known as the Covenanter's prison. This was the world's first concentration camp. His mistreatment of the prisoners earned him the nickname Bloody Mackenzie. They were given little shelter, four ounces of bread each day, and little water. Hundreds died and were buried in an area of the kirkyard reserved for criminals. The remainder were executed, transported abroad as slaves, or were given their liberty if they would sign oath of allegiance to the king. This is something that very few did. For those who died here, the last face many of them will have seen will have been that of Bloody Mackenzie. Even the 257 prisoners transferred to American plantations as slaves died shortly after leaving the prison, for they were placed on board a ship at Leith, which sank in the far north of Scotland just off the Orkney Isles, with all on board drowning. The fact that the years between 1680 and 1688 were called the killing times demonstrates just how many Covenanters Mackenzie sentenced to an early grave. George Mackenzie would live until 1691 when he died in Westminster. Ironically he was returned to Greyfriars Kirkyard where he was placed inside a grand mausoleum designed by the architect James Smith, mere metres from the Covenanters prison. He would rest in peace for over 300 years, before rising once more to terrorise the innocent. In December 1998 a homeless man was desperately seeking shelter from a particularly stormy winter night. He wandered into Greyfriars Kirkyard and as he looked through the bars on the door of one of the ornate mausoleums he could see light shining through an opening at the back. Tempted by the intact roof and his desperation to be warm and dry he forced himself through the tight opening. Inside the vault was pitch black and he lay down relieved to be out of the wind and rain. He was lying on top of an iron grate, but decided that it may be warmer below ground. He removed the iron grate in the floor and descended a short, twisting stone staircase and entered a second chamber. However, he lost his footing and smashed straight through the wooden floor and into a third chamber below. He landed in a deep, muddy pit and ignited his lighter. The room was illuminated and what he saw horrified him. The unfortunate tramp was surrounded by grinning skeletons, the rotten carcasses predating the tomb which had been built on top of what appeared to be a plague pit. Unsurprisingly the man got out of there as quickly as he could, scratching his arms and cutting his head as he scrambled out of the vault. A member of staff at Greyfriars had heard a series of bangs coming from the tomb and was en route to investigate when he was stopped in his tracks by otherworldly screaming. Before he knew what was happening, a wailing, bloody figure was charging out of the crypt straight for him. This was too much and he ran for his life. Both men vanished out of the Kirkyard and into the Edinburgh night. The member of staff turned up for work the next day and told of his terrifying ordeal before handing in his notice. It turns out that may have been the best career choice he ever made. Later that same day, a female visitor to the Kirkyard, peering through the iron bars into the Mackenzie tomb door, was blasted back off its steps by a cold force. The following day, another female was discovered unconscious lying on the ground near the tomb. Her neck was ringed with heavy bruising, and she claimed that the last thing she remembers before passing out was feeling invisible hands trying to strangle her. Within a matter of days, these attacks had moved away from the Mackenzie tomb and into the Covenanters prison itself, where on almost a daily basis, people were reporting being pushed having their hair pulled, being bitten, scratched, and even being knocked out by an unseen attacker. And as time passed, this was happening with increased ferocity. In seeking a place to sleep for the night, the homeless man may have inadvertently unleashed a terrible, violent entity into Greyfriars Kirkyard, and it has taken up residence in the Covenanter's prison. The Mackenzie poltergeist found fame locally, and as the frequency of these incidents continued to rise, national and then international media latched on to the compelling hoarding. Edinburgh Council were concerned following hundreds of attacks of increased severity and in 1999 they locked the Covenant as prison gates for fear of someone being seriously hurt or worse and declared the location off limits to the public. Enterprise and local author Jan Andrew Henderson, a lovely man who wrote the foreword for my book Ghosts of Edinburgh approached the council and asked permission to take controlled tours into the prison. The council agreed and now the acclaimed City of the Dead tour is exceptionally popular with the hunt and Edinburgh tourists and attending the tour is the only way to access the Covenanters prison. Henderson also wrote the book regarded as the comprehensive works on the Mackenzie poltergeist The Ghost That Haunted Itself. Since these tours began it seems that paranormal activity has escalated alarmingly especially in a tomb known as the Black Mausoleum which seems to be the epicentre of the activity. There is a common misconception among some who believe that the Mackenzie tomb is the Black Mausoleum but they are actually two separate tombs. The Mackenzie tomb sits just outside the Covenanters prison and the Black Mausoleum is the most active tomb within the prison. Those who take the tour expecting it to be a lighthearted bit of fun are regularly attacked when they reach the climax of the tour inside the Black Mausoleum. There have now been over 4,000 documented attacks and hundreds of people have lost consciousness during the tour. These attacks have ranged from hair being pulled, being kicked and punched, unexplained scratches, bruising, burns, gouges out of people's skin, and bite marks have all frequently been reported. People have even had their fingers broken. A significant portion of these victims don't even feel the attacks at the time and regularly have someone else point them out to them when they're leaving their kirkyard that they have scratches or marks on their face or neck. Others get home and find marks under their clothes that they didn't feel happening at the time. There was one story of a lady on the tour. She was stood at the back of the black mausoleum when she felt a cold sensation around one of her ankles. She put it down to paranoia, I mean she was stood in a scary place being told scary stories. However, that cold feeling in her ankle never left and she has suffered with it ever since that night. Even on the hottest summer day, it feels as cold as ice. Inexplicably, that area of her leg just won't tan. She's left with a white mark on her beautifully bronzed leg. The white mark, the exact shape of a handprint. Curiously, the tour guides who access the Covenanters prison daily, and are the only ones to do so, other than those along for the tours, have commented that they rarely see any animals in that area of the Kirkyard. However, they do find dozens of dead animals mainly birds and they seem to be always in or around the Black Mausoleum. One evening following a tour, one of the tour guides spotted a bird. I can't actually find anything that documents what type of bird this was but this bird was stood at the entrance to the Black Mausoleum staring into the darkness inside. He approached the bird, and when most birds would flee at a human getting too close, this bird seemed oblivious to his presence, and just continued to stare inside the tomb. The tour guide stood right next to the bird, and he too stared inside, but he saw nothing. When he returned for the tour the following evening, the bird was still there, in the same spot, dead. Another fairly common occurrence is electrical devices malfunctioning when in the Covenanters prison. Most often, mobile phones suddenly being completely drained of battery power. Also, cameras refuse to take photographs. Jan and his tour guides have even heard from people who've been on the tour and the frights don't end when the tour does. Mackenzie can attach himself to any visitor and follow them home from the kirkyard, then launch horrifying physical attacks on them in their own home. People who have believed that something has followed them home have experienced strange occurrences such as dogs that would usually be clambering all over their owners with excitement upon them walking through the door, whimpering and cowering from them, not wanting to go anywhere near. Electrical phenomena has been reported as well as such as light bulbs blowing and electrical appliances switching on and off by themselves. In November 2000, Colin Grant, a minister of a spiritualist church performed an exorcism within the prison. It took him hours and he was shaken by the strength and resilience of the spirits. After the exorcism which ultimately failed, he commented, I wouldn't be surprised if this kills me. He died weeks later. A second exorcism was carried out the following year by his son. This also failed. It's been written that the homeless man in 1998 might not have been the first person to disturb the eternal rest of Mackenzie. Legend says that in the 19th century, a thief named John Hayes, in a desperate attempt to evade the long arm of the law, hid inside the Mackenzie tomb for as long as six months. When he was eventually caught by police, he was completely insane. He was adamant that the coffins within the tomb would move around after dark, and that bloody Mackenzie kept him awake every night scratching and clawing at the inside of his coffin. It's clear that even way back then, locals believed the restless spirit of George Mackenzie was one to be feared, And in a tradition also from the 19th century, local children would dare one another to approach the Mackenzie tomb and shout inside, Bloody Mackenzie, come out if ye dare, lift the snek and draw the bar. On the 30th of June, 2003, two Edinburgh teenagers took this to another level. They forced open the Mackenzie tomb, broke open a coffin lid, and cut the head from the corpse of George Mackenzie with a penknife. One of the teens, who was 17 at the time, called Sonny Devlin, Put his hand into the neck of the head and used it like a hand puppet and he and his 15 year old friend who wasn't named for legal reasons also played football with it they were also accused of simulating oral sex with a decapitated head they were only caught when they tried to take something out of the kirkyard in a blanket and were stopped by a tour guide who sensed that something seemed off this sounds like it should be an urban legend and i honestly wish it was an urban legend but it's completely true They caused £10,000 worth of damage to the tomb and they were found guilty at Edinburgh's High Court. They were charged with a violation of Sepulchre Law, a law originally designated for grave robbers and one that the, the judge, Lord Wheatley, said had not been heard in court for over 100 years. Coming up next, find out what lay in store for me when I led a small team into the Covenanters prison after dark. For the first and only paranormal investigation to have been conducted there since the council locked the gate in 1999. What would happen when I would stand alone in the black mausoleum in the dead of night and challenge Mackenzie to do his worst? Stay tuned to find out next on How Haunted. the glorious summer's evening of the 30th of June 2012, my younger brother Tom, my good friends Richard Stokoe and John Crozier and myself were lucky enough to have chance to do something nobody has done before or since when we were given complete access to the Covenanters prison to conduct our very own paranormal investigation. This came about while I was working on a book entitled Ghosts of Edinburgh. I will now read an abridged section of the chapter from that book. This chapter solely focuses on the Covenanters prison and is entitled Grave Misgivings. I'm running a competition to win a copy of Ghosts of Edinburgh so hang around until the end of the podcast to find out how you can enter. The Covenanters prison has a hellish reputation. A former prison in the corner of an eerie graveyard that has to be locked because the city council are so fearful of visitors being attacked, pushed, kicked, scratched, bitten or worse. I wondered how the others were feeling about tonight's venue. It was possible that they didn't realise the notoriety that the Covenant has prisoners earned. It's been the site of literally hundreds of reported attacks by the malevolent spirits that are said to haunt the world's first concentration camp. Even if the lads were aware of these attacks, I'd been careful not to tell them the fate of the man called to help these troubled souls moved on. Colin Grant, a minister of a spiritualist church who performed an exorcism that ultimately cost him his life. A second exorcism also failed, meaning that, since 1999, no one, other than the ghost tour that goes into the prison nightly, has had any kind of access to the Covenanters prison. I often get asked if I get scared creeping around some of the scariest places of earth in the dead of night, but I wasn't feeling at all scared, nor was I anxious. I was almost bursting with excitement. Ever since I became immersed in Jan Andrew Henderson's fantastic book, The Ghost That Haunted Itself. I'd been eager to face this particular venue. That book inflamed my imagination was one of the primary reasons why I selected Edinburgh as the focus for this book. I was no doubt one of the few people who would enter the Black Mausoleum, a nickname given to the tomb in which the tour ends, and the epicentre of the activity, and actually want to feel the full force of the negative spirits that reside there, regardless of what that result might be. I parked up just after 8pm and we headed for Greyfriars Kirkyard. We had an hour before we would be taken in the City of the Dead tour, but we were keen to explore the stunning graveyard at our own pace first. We navigated groups of stag and then bobbed and weaved through the tourist taken photos of the famous Greyfriars Bobby statue. Then we passed through the gateway into that world famous graveyard of Greyfriars. We stopped in front of the gravestone marked as being the resting place of Edinburgh's favourite dog, Greyfriars Bobby although it isn't his actual burial spot, and it's more somewhere for visitors to pay their respects. It's clearly working though, as people had left all manner of gifts for the tragic little terrier, sticks and toys for him to play with, even money from all over the world. I looked around. The sun was descending, but still fairly high in the clear sky, and there were still plenty of people in the graveyard. Dog walkers and tourists, much like us I guess. The creepy wee shop in the corner of the graveyard had long since closed for the day, and with it being Richard's first visit to Greyfriars Kirkyard, I took it upon myself to give him a whistle-stop to her as we had little time to kill. I led the others anti-clockwise intentionally as I wanted to save the best until last. We took our time and marvelled at the incredibly ornate mausoleums, and before long we'd found ourselves outside the locked gate of the Covenanter's prison. We couldn't wait for the tour which was coming up shortly, as this would allow us to get beyond these gates locked by the City Council because their fear that visitors may be attacked should they be able to freely wander the Covenanter's prison by day, and especially after darkness falls. The tour guide would tell us the amazing stories and I couldn't wait. I stood right up to the lock gate, peering through the bars at the long wide sloping grassy strip of land beyond, lined with tombs either side, not dissimilar to the ones we'd spent the last 10 minutes admiring, in the area of the graveyard that the council considered to not be a risk to the public. Is this place really that haunted? asked Rich. I turned around and almost bumped into him as he was stood right behind me peering over my shoulder. I noticed he was flanked either side by Tom and John. They looked at me expectantly. It was only now I noticed how dark it was in this little corner of the graveyard as the sunlight was largely blocked out by trees. An unexpected cool breeze passed right through me and I involuntarily shivered. I was planning to let them hear the stories from a professional tour guide within the next hour. But, despite the possibility that anybody passing might mistakenly assume I was running Edinburgh's least popular ghost walk, I decided to indulge myself there and then and fill them in on the incredible, yet terrifying story of the Mackenzie Polargeist. I told them of the awful history and the horrifying hauntings that I've told you about throughout this podcast, and as I brought my tales to an end, I surveyed the faces of my three friends who stood before me. All three looked back at me completely expressionless. No one spoke for what seemed like an age as I tried to second-guess how they were feeling given what they'd just heard. Were they excited and eager to take on the worst that Mackenzie could throw at us? Were they fearful of what lay in store for us within the Covenanters prison? Perhaps they were angry at me for not letting them know just how dark and dangerous this place actually is before they left the sanctuary offered by their homes and family back in Newcastle, well over 100 miles away. I checked the time. Oh, we've got to go, it's 8.45pm. Everyone sprang into life and we walked quickly and with purpose out of Greyfriars Kirkyard as we had to be outside St Giles Cathedral on the Royal Mile by 9pm. This is the meeting place of Blackheart Entertainment's aptly named City of the Dead Ghost Tour. We made it with a few minutes to spare and I introduced myself and the lads to our tour guide, a local guy called Callum. And he looked every bit the archetypal ghost tour guide, dressed head to toe in black, black shirt black jeans, enormous black boots, and a full-length black leather trench coat. The bells of St Giles Cathedral pealed for 9pm above us and our tour began. Our guides stood on the steps of the awesome cathedral, the distinctive crown steeple of which dominates the Edinburgh skyline for miles around, and we all gathered round. He introduced himself to the twenty or so eager faces staring back at him. Men and women from all walks of life and all over the globe. In fact, there were only two Scots amongst us, three if you include our guide. A young denim-clad lady stood directly in front of me, whispered to her friend, Is this tour scary? She wouldn't have to wait long to find out for herself. Callum began, Welcome to the City of the Dead tour, and we'll shortly head to a place which is beautiful during the day, but even better at night, Greyfriars Kirkyard. The only downside to doing this particular tour during the Scottish summertime, if that's what you'd like to call it, is that it's still a wee bit light this time of night. I like it when it's dark and damp and dingy, as that's how a graveyard should be presented to you. There are two reasons why the Kirkyard is perfect for the City of the Dead tour. The first is that it's an enormous mound of dead people. That should be enough. But there's more to it than that. That's why we offer you a very unique experience that you'll only get with this tour. We will give you access to the Covenanter's prison, a locked-off section of the graveyard that is home to something very interesting. I've been doing these tours now for nine years and I've seen the most terrifying things, all to do with the entity which we call Mackenzie. I can't tell you what Mackenzie is, but I can tell you what he does, what I've seen firsthand. Interactions vary, there can be anything from a push or a scratch, to a bite or a punch, even hair-pulling, nausea and cold spots. And one of the biggest things we get on these tours knockouts i looked around at the group there were some worried faces eyes wide with fear and trepidation for what lay ahead i already knew this wasn't going to be your usual ghost walk i knew that anybody booking onto this tour thinking it might be a bit of a giggle may well have bitten off far more than they could chew callum continued no one is against walking through a graveyard at night are they no one spoke but 20 heads shook in union The paranormal is rarely black or white, but there's no denying what's going on at the Covenanters prison. Mackenzie has well over 4,000 authentic, documented attacks to his name now, and one death. The status of some of the group was immediately elevated from worried to genuinely concerned. Callum knew it too and twisted the knife further. This is going to be a fun group tonight, I can tell. We're going to have you screaming, panicking, running all over the place. With this... Our group left St Giles Cathedral and Callum led us to Greyfriars. As we walked towards Greyfriars I commented to the lads that it was beginning to get dark. The sun was low in the sky which was a deep, rich, inky blue. We probably had 30 minutes of light left before the sun would disappear completely beyond the horizon. We entered Greyfriars Kirkyard and Callum stopped in front of the headstone near the entrance made up for Greyfriars Bobby. He said to the group, this is a graveyard and it goes without saying that we need to show respect. However, if you should find yourself stood on the grass or we cut across the grass to get to the next location for our stories, don't feel that is disrespectful. The truth is that it's unavoidable. If you don't wanna walk on top of the dead, please turn around and walk back out of the gates as there are bodies below your feet right now. We walked anti-clockwise and stopped at the headstone of John Gray, Gray Bobby's master. Before he regaled us with the Greyfriars' Bobby's Story, he had the group hanging on his every word as he told us some of the other classic literary works penned after their writer had visited Greyfriars. Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and A Christmas Carol's Three Ghosts Were Drent Up by Charles Dickens after Walking Around the Graveyard. And, of course, the much more recent Harry Potter series of books written by J.K. Rowling while she sat in the little cafe that overlooks Greyfriars. Before long it was the time we'd all been waiting for, and I'd personally been waiting for for years. Time to go to the Covenanters prison. As we neared the Covenanters prison I checked my watch and it was almost 10pm. Twilight had crept up upon us almost unnoticed as we listened to our guide and as the last few precious moments of daylight ebbed away Callum removed the lock chain from the gate, but didn't open it. He stood on a low wall outside the gate and we all gathered around in a semicircle. He could sense the anticipation of the baying crowd, and took a deep intake of breath before telling us, masterfully, the harrowing history of the Covenanters prison. The same horrendous tale of unjust persecution and death that I'd related to Tom, John and Rich, in the same spot only an hour earlier. When he reached the part of the story where the Covenanters were marched into the prison in Irons, Callum pulled open the gate and allowed us to march in as he continued to talk. Shortly after entering the prison, Rich stopped in his tracks causing me to almost walk into the back of him. I tapped him on the shoulder and it was almost like he snapped out of a trance and turned around. I asked if he was alright, here in his own words he explains what had happened. As we entered the at covenanter prison, our guide asked which of our two was the inductor. He explained that spirits latch onto a particular type of person and they typically experience the most phenomena. Since the experience I'd had at the National Railway Museum in York nearly two years prior, and each of the other strange happenings on the other vigils in York while Rob was writing Ghosts of York, I found it quite easy to convince myself of being the Inductor. Plus it was quite a cool name, certainly worthy of a t-shirt. Before I could offer myself up as our resident magnet of ghostly activity, our guide finished his sentence. Because the Inductors are usually the ones that get knocked out. I kept my mouth shut. As we walked down the soggy grass towards the tombs, I was expecting at any second to get an unseen fist in the face, disembodied hands around my throat, or to simply fall unconscious and wake up later with a huddled mass of tourists around my damp, grass-stained body. At one point, about 10 steps into the prison, I had an overwhelming feeling of nausea, putting it down to a fear of invisible attack as I ignored it, and it vanished as quickly as it had came. I made a mental note of where I was when it happened, and would return later once the tour concluded and the four of us were free to roam. Callum led us further into the prison and ushered us into a gloomy tomb halfway down a strip of land on the left. The four of us were the first to enter us so and moved right to the back. There was almost absolute darkness inside. Once the final member of our party was inside, Callum took his place in the doorway, the last drops of daylight casting his long, eerie shadow across us. Callum commented on how warm it was inside the tomb, this is wrong, it shouldn't be warm in here, this should be fun. He continued, poltergeists by tradition have a focal point, usually somebody within a family group often a teenage girl, however this attacks anyone, it doesn't seem to care. So is it a poltergeist? What is it? It's rewriting all the books, it started off in the Mackenzie tomb and it's moved into this mausoleum, it's learning, it's grown more powerful, it's evolving. An American tourist stood in front of me was stood open-mouthed and quietly cursed shit. The girl who'd earlier asked her friend if the tour was scary was stood next to me, and she looked absolutely petrified. Her voice was little more than a whisper, and it quivered as I overheard her ask her friend, Will you hold my hand? Callum went on, If you feel unwell, if you feel anything, let me know as soon as possible. There was some nervous laughter before Callum added, This isn't a joke. Suddenly I was rocked by a headache, hit me out of the blue, but I said nothing. Callum was in his element as he proceeded to tell the nervous crowd the story of how the Mackenzie poltergeist was stirred by a desperate homeless man in December of 1998. Everyone on the tour stood silently, listening to every word he had to say, looking around wide-eyed, waiting, anticipating. It was almost inconceivable that nothing would happen. He brought his story to a surprise climax which I won't spoil for anybody who hears this and then decides to take in this brilliant tour for themselves. By now it was 10.20pm and there was one last stop on the tour, the tomb of Mackenzie himself just outside the gates to the Covenanters prison. However, this is where the four of us would depart from the group. We would arranged to spend some additional time alone in the Covenanters prison. So Callum led the tour to the Mackenzie tomb and left us to do our investigation. Tom went to explore the prison in general and Rich wasted no time in revisiting the area which he'd felt nauseous in earlier when we first entered the prison. John headed for a tomb just along from where I was stood that Callum had suggested as being active at the moment and I was left all alone in the black mausoleum, the very tomb in which we'd just heard our terrifying ghost stories of the attacks by Mackenzie. I wasn't afraid though, in fact I felt invincible as the adrenaline coursed through my veins and I welcomed this opportunity to single-handedly face down this dangerous, unpredictable, vicious entity. I was operating in a one-dimensional world, I could see nothing in the absolute darkness, and I could hear nothing but the shattering silence. It was enough to send a tingle down all but the most hardened of spines. I pressed record on my digital voice recorder and broke the silence. Come on Mackenzie, I know you're there, do your worst. I've heard you can make people pass out, scratch people, push people. Come on, do it, I continued in the echoey crypt, trying to ignore my headache which continued to get worse. I waited in silence for 10 minutes and then a figure appeared before me. It was my brother Tom, back from his exploration of the prison. He joined me in the depths of the tomb and in challenging Mackenzie to display his power. There was an almost electric atmosphere, Oppression hung thick in the air, we knew we weren't alone. Tom shone his torch beam on a wall and asked Mackenzie to show himself in the light. We waited, but he wasn't prepared to make an appearance. If you want to communicate with us, let us know. We simply want to know you exist. Tom tried to reason with whoever may be with us. He felt a cold breeze across his face. We continued for 20 minutes, but were left hugely disappointed with the lack of activity. We left the tomb and found John and Rich standing inside another tomb with an inscription above a door reading... James Rutherford, writer to the signet. We asked how things had gone and they'd had very little much the same as us, although Rich said he'd experienced something strange when he returned to that spot where he'd felt ill. Here is what happened in his own words. After leaving the tomb, I tried to navigate back to where it was that I'd felt sick. I stood there, nothing. Retraced my steps from the gate down to the grass again, nothing. Then I stood in that same place for a few minutes. Nothing. Disappointing all jokes aside i expected this to feel a bit surreal this was a concentration camp after all an early blueprint for future horrors inflicted on humanity then something happened in the windless prison a large twig on the ground moved i caught it out the corner of my eye and as i spun around that twig moved again the nausea returned and i knew something was there i was already recording audio an automatic habit when entering haunted areas since our success at the site of Dick Turpin's hanging at York Tyburn a year earlier. But I took a picture of the twig too. When reviewing the photo, I noticed it was a massive white light. I assumed that I maybe got my finger in the way of the lens, but I wanted to make sure. Given the size of my phone, a fairly large HTC Desire HD smartphone, I realised my stumpy computer programmer fingers couldn't reach anywhere near the lens when pressing the button to take a photograph. With the time we had remaining we agreed it might be an idea to swap tombs, so Tom and I stayed in the James Rutherford tomb and Rich and John headed into the infamous black mausoleum. 15 minutes passed by quietly, then there was talking outside in the prison. I looked outside, looking left I saw Rich pop his head out of his tomb as well, they must have heard what we would heard, and when I looked over to my right I saw half a dozen people standing inside the gate of the prison. Rich went over to challenge them as we had permission to be there but nobody else should have been so he asked them to leave. It turned out it was an opportunistic tour guide who'd taken a small group around Greyfriars saw the gates of the Covenanter prison while unlocked and thought all of his Christmases had come at once. The tour guide was particularly obnoxious and wouldn't leave however Callum returned at the perfect time and quickly dispatched him. Our investigation was over but before we bid farewell Rich wanted to show Callum the photograph he'd taken earlier. Rich explains, I showed our guide the photo and he said that they hadn't caught much in the way of light phenomena at the Covenanders, but he seriously doubted that it was my finger because of its irregular shape and the spread of the light suggested it wasn't from a solid object close to the camera. Pleased with the assumption that my fingers were of ordinary size and shape, and that I had possibly captured something otherworldly, I showed the lads the photo. Rich continues, Given its incredible history of torture and death, and the tales the tour guide had told, I had hoped to bring a wealth of evidence back of something after death. But we were beginning to learn that that's just not how this stuff works. You take what you can get, and while it's easy to dismiss individual strange things happening every so often in day to day life, once you start actively searching and compiling a book like this one, it becomes more difficult to dismiss as the evidence keeps trickling in. One more light phenomena in our arsenal, check. We all shook Callum warmly by the hand and thanked him for taking his own time out to accommodate us. What do you want to do?
1: When I first walked in, when I first walked in, I saw shadows of people walking past there with us and there were shadows of people walking past there.
0: Right. Well, why don't two of us stand here and the other two go in there just until he comes back? i well, shall I wait in here on my own? Yeah. Are you going to the other one? Wait, wait, are you two go- go He's just gone for a wander. Are you st- are two going to go in there? It can do it, yeah. Right, I'll wait in here. Right, I'll see you in a bit. Are you here, Mackenzie? Come am see you. Are you here, Mackenzie? Are you here? You got? They're in the other one.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, two in this one, two in that one. Not two in this one, two in that one. one. Eh? I need we swaps? Well, we can
0: swap. No. But it's just to make the most of the time we've got. I've just have been standing. Have they got a video? They've so got a video recorder. Still, we've got these r uh, not oh, we? they have got it. They've got. A, what do you mean a tape recorder? Yeah. Do you mean like an audio recorder? Aye. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Stogel's got his phone on the ground, I think John has too. Is Nah, it's
0: just the wind. Is there anyone here? Oh, are you here, Mackenzie? Are you here, Georgie boy? Are you here, George? Come on, do something. Push sure. one over. Make something up. Want to see what you've got to do. We want to see what you can do. We want you to hurt with, want you to push with. You want me to talk to you. Do your worst. We've heard that you can do all sorts of stuff. We've heard you can make people pass out. We've heard you can make people stand in cold spots. We've heard you can drain their energy. How about doing it else? There's only two of them. Do what you want, do your worst. to type of trigger objects and stuff.
2: Well, uh, I think what we doing is a bit over,
0: happening did you go for a wander tell uh, so
2: so anyway, like you what, you stand in here anyway you keep holding on and we're going to take a few photos. Okay, I'm going to ask them some questions I might not be here, maybe someone else really no harm if you are there but I want you to prove to us that you are, we're here. This is where you're very active and you've been very active in here for a good while apparently. So I'm here on my own. I want you to come and share with us whatever it is that you can do with with touches. Pull on us. Is there anyone else there? Is or is your name George, if you are here? Got a device in my hand and although I might not be able to hear you talking to us now if you do talk once I'm talking to you hopefully this device in my hand will be able to catch you You're trying to communicate with us so it's stories about you but it's nothing to say that they are actually true and that is what, actually what you are doing if you want to share your story with us then please speak into this device in my hand bit of call cool on your left hand is that you, or is it just a draft through the door? Right hand, sorry. Is there anyone there? Can you knock on something, Poopy there? There's a couple of coins in the doorway, knock them down. Am I
0: just, I'm just going to say this for the dictaphone. James Rutherford, writer to the signet. That's whose tomb this is. All right. James Rutherford. All right, are you there, James?
2: Any family in here with you? Mackenzie, are you here? What we have here, you pull like to pull people's hair. Make a shadow move in the shadows. If I shine me light on there, can you make yourself appear in that shadow? Can you walk through it? Can you walk through me shadow? Can you make yourself shown on the ground? Show footprints? Show something? A the coke over there. Do you like coke?
0: Just see if they want to swap. Did anything happen? Any noises? No. Or be a bit
2: quiet? Is there anyone there? If there is, can you please knock twice? we're not here long so if you want to communicate with us please do so sooner rather than later I got a bit draft on my hand but it's, it's just it's getting a bit odd isn't it?
0: it's not it's not really cold out there it's
2: cold out, eh do you want to go and join
0: them in the other one and if there's
2: anything going on well we may as well spread it we shall I come spread? to us something was happening what what if
0: something
2: was happening I'm sure I would know about it. I've just been down there to take a photo. Go and join them if you want, I'll stay All here. Happened. What's happening down there? Nothing. Watch, there's a bit of money on there. thing there. No. Do no. you want to join me? Do you want to go in here now? Yeah, Well, you? Do you want to go in here, me and Tom will go in here? What? Why is this the gate open? For us, I know, but i was surprised to do it. But he's coming back, and he's away along with George McKenzie, too. What do you think of that tomb tower? There's, there's a bit. There's a oh, yeah, there's a the little bit. Where are you going? Is there anybody here? Is George Mackenzie here? Hello. Couldn't hey see you, you all, yeah. My name's Tom and this is Rob. This is the Black Morsal. I've come here to learn something about you and to prove that you are here. we hear a lot of stories about this about you doing things to people in here and trying to communicate with people we want to experience this we have a short time so please come to us and show yourself walk in the shadows of me camera knock on something if you are here come on let's heat it up come on if you are here come and come and share with us in my hand got a device here which can hopefully capture noise so if you can't talk to us and we can't hear you, then maybe this device in your hand will be able to capture anything you do you want to say or anything you want to share with people. So please come and join us here. Pull on my hair, tap on the shoulder, do whatever you a want. us on the top of the head. If you want me to get out of here,
0: prove it. Hit us, go on, hit us. Do you want us? We're not going to. us,
2: ask a question. And if we'll respect your answer, so if, if you don't want us to be here, please give us a sign. If you can prove that, if you just want to knock on something twice or touch one of us, then we'll, we'll happily leave, else we're going to stop you up for a bit longer. If you don't like that, then I suggest you, you do give us some sort of sign. Can you give us your name if you aren't here? Can you tell us why you're here? Are you George Mackenzie? Is that your name? Yeah, that's what you're called, if it is. Come on then, come and show yourself. Prove that you're an nasty piece of work. How do you feel? Alright. You all right? You haven't done anything to her yet, have you? You going to tell her something or say something to her? Did you pick up your coins? Aye. Uh, right. Do you want to have him, George, if that's your name? If you're not called George, what are you called? Is there other people here? Is this a tomb of somebody else? And do you want to come and share something with her? Are you friendly? Are you nice? Do you actually just have something you want to share? I don't uh-huh. think he'd be nice. He's attacked 4,000 people, apparently. Uh-huh. who says it's just one person? I don't think he does. Do I think he's scared. Who says it's just one person and who says there are attacks? Maybe someone want to communicate with someone else who's gives somebody else a message. Do you actually realise that you're not in this day and age and that you are actually dead? I've I've read all
0: them, the them. Don't have the guts to do something, do I? Don't have
2: the guts. 4,000 people, I'm sure you can do something to us, mate. Yeah, you're active at the minute. Maybe not in this one, maybe in the other tomb, but move between them, come and say or yeah, yeah, make or get out it. of your mausoleum. What's it called? Like a tomb.
0: Mausoleum. Tomb,
2: mausoleum, whatever you want to call it. Come on, I'm standing in the middle of it. If I move closer to you. Are you over here? Blow on it, wherever you are.
0: There's some people at the gate. Alright. I think the oh, no, thank you were
2: going
0: I wonder if they have to be the eleven o'clock tour. Yeah. What? What?
2: Question? What happened? Is there people coming in? He's going to go and tell them that. He's not going to be. He's going to tell them stories. There's some people coming in. He's going to go and tell them that. They're not allowed in. Is there a
0: couple of them? There's five or six of them. I just said you, you might want to go and tell them, and he's just marched off to
2: tell them. Oh, nice. Do you want to go and tell them, mate? Oh, what
0: well, we've, we've brought people in. Uh, Stogos wants to show us something he's taken a photo of, but he didn't get a chance because he's got a people at the graveyard.
2: Oh yeah, monster. Is there anyone here? If there is, can you please give her a second? Yes. Please throw something at one. Please knock on a wall. Blow on one. Pull her hair. Kick one. Punch one. Mate will get away from you. I'm just trying with my phone to see if I make We have a lot here the more active you get, so we'll be here a little while now. Let's have some activity. Come on then. Yeah you're nasty. If you are nasty. I've I he's nasty. Prove it. Doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have the guts to do anything to though, and there's only two of them attacked groups of women and stuff. It's done nothing. see what's going on. Where's John? What's happening? I'm not sure. So, we still talking?
0: No, they're all leaving, but there's somebody coming in, so I think it's that guy. What well, time may be up. Sorry? Time may be up. So I've passed.
2: You're trying to start? there a woman? I'm ah, just coming back. The guy's on his way back. Anyone else? Hmm? Hopefully we'll call something out of here. If, if you are yeah. still here, please remain here yes. and don't follow yeah. Stay put. We don't, we don't want you to leave.
1: Any lands? Uh, shadows, and that's right. a, a lot of people see shadows. Okay. A lot of kind of dark shadow movement within these things like that. Lights, I've not had too many people report. Right. Orbs, I've had one or two people, but again, I'm, yeah. the orbs are the one that I'm a bit.
0: Yeah.
1: I think most people are now. But yeah, I mean, the reason I ask, um, and again, this, this
2: can easily be displayed away, but um, it's one of those things that you just have yeah. to, to it. I, I think it's definitely the inductor. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I take a photo,
1: you might be interested in this as well, if I take a yeah, photo yeah, in portrait, right, um, right, the button is at the bottom there, so I right. have to do that. If you look at where the lens is, there's nothing to the right of the yeah. lens. In fact, if my finger is to the right of the lens, I can't actually reach the blue. Yeah. Um, in. When I first came in for about 20 minutes here, I felt really sick. Yeah, this really is, is actually. I'm noticing that a lot of things are now not happening as much in there. Oddly enough, I, I actually felt really sick in that doorstep tonight, and that's the first time in a long time. That's why I actually stopped, because I was just thinking, you no, know, is that just something, or am I. And I actually was like, feeling, I'm actually feeling like I'm involved vomited here. And that I haven't had for a long time, so I was actually quite. Um, yeah. is puzzled by that, but no, I mean, a lot of people haven't. You know, this is where we get a lot of inductors, generally get attacked here, right? They don't get this far. So, well, the one thing that I, I, I came back here before just to have a look, and um, I, some, I, I could have sworn
2: that those leaves and stuff were moving. I thought, trick of the you know, the light and that sort of thing, but I'll take a picture of it anyway. And I did it in portrait,
1: and I can't explain that because my finger can't be anywhere mm. near the lens at that point. And it's not a finger anyway, because it would actually when you wouldn't see the, the faintness, because you can actually see the still yeah. things behind it with your finger and um, I, I can't explain that, but it's just the fact that there was something about that area that I had to take a picture of. Mm. Um, and both John and me were walking up here before, and pretty much at the same time it went cold all of a sudden, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah for me it's, all like it's a weird place people just get so many different things the underground's the one that I hate the underground's just a horrible place um, absolutely foul foul place to go and it freaks me out so I'm not a big fan of it I've been doing two I did a private one in there this afternoon which not too much happened but weird. yeah any more gents or is that enough? Yeah. Well, oh that's, uh, that's, that's been the brilliant i am but, um, no, it's been, really, no, it's so, been to great.
0: to bring has been great. But, um, thanks very much for doing no. for this. Thank it's you. Been brilliant. Look, no, this isn't
1: a problem, man. Yep. You go,
0: Thank you, so you very much. You been, you out the we walked through Greyfriars, which was now quiet and empty. The only noise coming from outside as the Edinburgh nightlife was in full swing. The roads were quiet, and as I drove, we chatted about the stories we'd heard on the tour, and the conversation moved on to the possibility of spirits latching on to someone and following them home, or to another location. Many people believe that this can't happen, and an equal number of people believe that it is possible. Scientifically, the evidence of ghosts cannot be proven, and if ghosts actually do exist, we can't be sure as to what they are. Whether they are recordings of people from a bygone age, or whether they are some form of conscious spirit, able to see us and interact with us, it's impossible to know whether they could somehow follow you home. A week after our night at the Covenanters prison, I met up with John for nothing more than an impromptu social get-together. The conversation turned, inevitably, to our Covenanters experience, Haven't had a week to mull things over. As the topic of conversation seemed to be drawn to its natural end before we moved on to discussing something else, John mentioned, almost as an afterthought. Not long before we left the Covenanters, I decided to take a walk down to the bottom of the prison, as I hadn't been down to the far end yet. I felt fine walking down to the bottom, but then suddenly felt really eerie. That's probably a normal thing to feel when alone in a graveyard, except how suddenly it came on. I turned around and walked back to the rest of the team, faster than I'd walked down, and I felt as if I was being followed. Then I heard footsteps other than my own. My rational explanation for the footsteps is that the grass might be wet. So maybe something could have stuck to my shoe that was making an additional noise a split second after my footstep. He continued. A few days after our ghost hunt, I was walking to my parents' house from Kingston Park Metro Station. As you pass the park, there's trees and bushes between the footpath and the road. As I walked along, birds were flying out of the trees ahead of me in panic. Each tree in only as I got near it. I've never seen anything like it. When I got into my parents' street there were more trees in the middle of the court. It continued and a small bird flew straight into a wall of one of the houses and fell. I didn't check whether it was still alive but probably not. I've seen plenty of birds fly into windows, either they attack their reflections or they can't see the glass, but this was a brick wall. I said, maybe Mackenzie was with you with a smirk. He looked back at me and nodded seriously. I thought better than to remind him of the dead birds found near the black mausoleum. Thank you for joining me for this episode of How Haunted. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod, or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod, where you can see photos galore relating to Greyfriars Kirkyards. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me direct at rob-haunted.com. Feedback, location, suggestions and your own experiences are more than welcome. Feel free to ask any questions you like and I'll answer them all in a dedicated Q&A podcast if you'd like to support the show and get early access to episodes you can join the patreon for less than the price of a pint you'd also get exclusive episodes where you can join me on an actual paranormal investigation and you'll hear the audio from the investigation as it happened if you aren't a fan of patreon or perhaps would like to make a one-off donation to support the podcast why not buy me a coffee all the information on how you can support how haunted is in the podcast description and on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. I have a copy of my book, Ghosts of Edinburgh, up for grabs. If you'd like to enter the competition, all you need to do is leave How Haunted podcast a review on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Then drop me an email at rob at how-haunted.com to let me know. The competition will end on halloween 2022 and the winner will be announced on twitter as well as the first podcast episode after the closing date next time out i will give you a guided tour of the building my hometown of newcastle upon tyne was named for it's the oldest building in the city but is it the most haunted we'll find out together next week as we take a look at newcastle's castle keep thank you so much for accompanying me on our first ever adventure together but hopefully the first of many Stay safe and join me next time when we will once again ask the question, how haunted?